Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Real people doing real deals in real estate and no fake gurus allowed. We bring you the best and the most real real estate investors in the space. They'll be showing you the good, the bad, and the ugly of real estate investing. Like, share, subscribe, get notified. It's the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast, and today we have a special guest from South Carolina, Mr. Shane And Thank you so much for coming in, brother. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It's an honor and pleasure to be here. Man, and this is the first time we do this one setup, like one-on-one. Okay. Uh, I used to have it like an L-shaped type, and I just I just wasn't feeling it yesterday. I did a podcast with um, someone else, Brian Ponciano, who came in and said i gotta change this thing up a little bit so so you are the first one with this one special with the new setup setup so um let's get started man who is shane where do you come from what do you do what are your upbringings like um shane nine is a 40 plus uh year old uh real estate investor okay um i hate so it's nine not ninen it's nine nine okay it perfect is, yeah uh born and raised in south carolina uh, college educated, uh, raised in an entrepreneurial family. Okay. Uh, my father owned sports bars and nightclubs and restaurants growing up. Um, graduated college, really wasn't sure what I wanted to do with life. What did you go to college for? Um, I graduated with two degrees, um, a business degree with a focus in marketing and a criminal justice degree. Okay. And uh, initially, I thought I was going to go into law. Um I didn't know what, what you I look like a cop, man. I get that. I Are get you that. like a disguise <laughs> cop trying to come here, yeah. take over the wholesaling cartel? <laughs> I'm trying to sneak into the cartel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so no, I, I wanted to get into as funny as it sounds right now, entertainment law. Right at that point in time, back in I, I graduated high school in 1997. That's when Kevin Garnett went straight to the NBA from high school. Right. And uh, he's from he's from Malden, South Carolina, which is you know, 30 minutes away from Greenville. Okay. So uh, it, uh, there was several of us that like wanted to get into the entertainment industry, right? Some guys wanted to be rappers, athletes. I wanted to be on the business side of that. So let me go to school, let me become a lawyer, and then I'll figure it out from there. Right. So I graduated with my undergrad, um, went to moved to Charlotte for a year to work for a big okay. law firm, and in that year I saw I was it's a big corporate law firm. These guys were making all the money in the world, but they were so unhappy. They had drinking problems. They had drug problems. Their marriages were falling apart. You know, they're they're making great money, but they have nothing, no happiness outside of that. This is this is who again? Uh, the guys this, owning. This was a big corporate law firm in Charlotte, oh, North corporate Carolina. Corporate law firm, okay. yeah, out of Charlotte, North Attorneys. Carolina. Attorneys, yeah, correct. So it made me rethink my future. Right? So I graduated with this criminal justice and a business degree. Um, I had taken the LSATs. I'd applied to a law school in North Carolina. I was ready to go, but I wanted to take a year to work as a legal assistant, uh, paralegal, just to kind of get my feet wet, acclimated, and make sure that's what I wanted to do. And I learned very quickly I didn't. Yeah, that's not that's that's actually a great strategy. Yeah, right. So, so um, let me dip my feet real quick and Yeah, dip my toes in the water, see what it feels like. And um, at that point in time, um, I, I took it back to the drawing board. I really wasn't sure. So I packed up, went back home. Uh, started now, at that point, do you feel like you wasted your time going to college? No, I didn't. Because, and my wife and I go back and forth about this now. Education was a byproduct. The college was uh, for me to, and I think is a good tool for any young person to transition into life. Right. Because right? you're still kind of attached to your parents to some degree. They're not going to let you sink or swim or uh, drown. Yeah. But you still, you get out on your own. You're paying your own bills. You're washing your own clothes. you right. got to get up on your own and go do your schedule. So right. it's a... Uh, for me, that was a big thing, okay. right? becoming independent, young adult. And then also all the other things that come with college, you know, the, the parties and the social activities and the fun and the right. experimenting, right? Experiment. Something I actually didn't get to do, even though I went to college for a little bit, I didn't get to do all the partying and stuff like that, like sure. fraternity style, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, no. I didn't do any of that. Okay. That's, so that, that, was the, that was the big thing for me was the social aspect. The education was a byproduct. So, no, I didn't feel like I wasted the four years. That's good. 
And I knew, I knew, and I knew enough people that a lot of people graduate with degrees and they don't go into that field. Yeah. It's just a, it's a tool that opens doors for you, right? Employers like to see that you can be educated. They like to see that you can be trained. They like to see that you can stick with something for three, four, five years. Committed. Yeah. I knew that. Um, so, yeah, I went back home, um, got involved with – I started selling cars. I, was, I worked at a Mercedes-Benz dealership in Greenville, South Carolina, for about a year and a half selling Highline new automobiles. And I did that. That was good money. It, it was, I was super young. I was like 21 years old. Yeah. Uh, I was the youngest guy at the dealership, and I kind of got blackballed. If you've ever worked in the automotive industry, it's a very cutthroat industry. Yeah. There's, not very, there's no mentors. Nobody's going to hold your hand. If you're the new guy, you've got to figure it out. Uh, there's no uh, masterminds for that. Right. Um, so I did, I did what I thought was well for the first year and a half, but I could tell that that wasn't where I wanted to be either. Right. So um, at that time, my dad still had nightclubs. He still had sports bars. And that's, that's all I knew. That's what I was raised in. Um, so I went to work for my father, managing the day-to-day operations of, of sports bars and nightclubs. And eventually the time came. I was ready to get married. And I knew that I didn't want the beer joint, nightclub. That I didn't want that. You knew exactly what you did, and you were finding all these things that you thought you wanted to do, but then you found out, man, that's not what I want to do. And, and at that point, because when you're young and you're trying to figure it out, you don't have the foresight to to think about wasting time. At least I didn't. Like, oh, I'm spinning my, you know, I'm, I'm spinning my wheels. Now let me try this. Let me pivot. Let me do. It was all a, a process and steps, and and I knew eventually I would find. Something that, that fulfilled both avenues. I could make a living, and I could be happy, right? And I could be a good family guy. Uh, I was approaching, I was getting married. My, my future in-laws didn't like the fact I was working in the nightclub and the sports bar industry. And I, so I made this kind of unspoken promise to my wife and my in-laws that I would get out of the sports bar and nightclub industry, which I did. Pivoted again. Here I am now. Uh, approaching 30-something years old, 30 years old, getting married, leaving the sports, the, the service industry, leaving the service industry. And I found myself in manufacturing. Right. Don't ask me how I ended up there. Um, like some guys I went to high school with, they were uh, department managers, uh, logistics distribution specialists, and they were working in manufacturing, and they kind of opened the door for me. It was a good salary, good schedule. At that point in time, good 401K. Uh, insurance, you know, years ago, insurance was good with you had a good yeah, W-2. Yeah. Still, I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled. You go to work every day, you earn a paycheck, your employer's not grateful. Yeah. I knew I'd known enough people growing up, these old school real estate investors who were mainly at that point in time were just buy and hold guys. The, the trick was to accumulate rentals, get them paid off, and just live off the passive income. So the, the whole time I was growing up, while my dad's got the sports bars and nightclubs, I'm going to school. Um, I see these guys in my community, and my dad's friends with a lot of these, you know, these sharks. You know, these are these undercover millionaires. You know, they drive an old beat up pickup truck and they wear dirty jeans, but they got 25 or 30 rentals, and you don't know about it. Right. Um, I knew that rentals could be a key. I just didn't know what that looked like at the time. Um, at some point, somebody gave me a rich dad, poor dad, Robert Kiyosaki. And even though I grew up in an entrepreneurial household, I knew that, you know, by assets, not liabilities. I knew, I knew some of that. I had the base level education, exposure. But something about reading Robert Kiyosaki changed my life. The light bulb went off. The light switch came on, and it was a uh, aha moment. Okay. And I told my wife, I was like, I don't know when, I don't know how, but rental properties, is where's it ha- that's what we got to do. We got to figure out how to get there. And at that point in time, we, we thought, or at that point in time, we knew very little. We assumed what probably 90% of the population assumes. You save up 20%, you go to a, find a real estate agent, you buy a house on the MLS, you go to the bank, you put the 20% down, they loan you the 80%, that's your first rental property. To duplicate that or to scale that would take forever. Yeah. Um, and I'm the type of guy to, that if I'll sit back and study a situation if I know that's the way, there's got to be an easier way or a, or a faster way. And so I, that's when I was began seeking out individuals who had multiple rental properties. And I found a meetup group on meetup.com. This was in, fast forward to 2017. 
found a meetup group. I told my wife, hey, we're going to go to this meetup group. It's real estate professionals. I'm just going to ask some questions, you know, see what's going on over here. And we did. We walked into the Panera Bread. Uh, there were literally 12 people at this Panera Bread. I walked in and said, hey, I'm Shane. I'm the new guy. I don't know what I'm doing here. I just want to listen and ask some questions. That group was very welcoming. They said, okay, what do you want to do? I said, I want rental property. Well, how do you plan on doing that? I don't know. That's why I'm here to ask some questions. I want to try to figure it out. That meeting, and we'll call it November, we'll call it November 2017, there were two gentlemen um, at that table that were actively wholesaling. And in South Carolina, it's a small market, under half a million people. Um, these guys were doing one or two deals haphazardly, randomly. They had no team. They had no processes. They would put up some bandit signs. They would get a couple deals. They would go on vacation. They explained to me the, the wholesaling model. You go look at a property. You get under contract. You assign the contract. You make some money. Even at that meeting when, I, when we left, my wife and I looked at each other and said, that's, we're very skeptical. Like, that's illegal. As you're going to go to jail. You can't go over there and tell these people you're going to buy their house. <laughs> so I've told this story a hundred times. So we left the meeting. I go home immediately, YouTube University. There's YouTube videos. What, what is wholesaling? What is flipping contracts? And at that point in time, there were only two or three guys on YouTube at that point in time. It was uh, Cody Server was there, Sean Terry was there, and uh, Kent Clothier. Was yep. there. So, hmm. so these guys um, – they gave you a little bit of the blueprint. They were all selling a program or coaching or mentorship. And I just wasn't quite ready yet. I didn't do any deals. I'm just trying to make, make sure this is for real, make sure this is legit. Um, I bought a couple of books. I think there's a guy named Todd Fleming yep. wrote a book. If you can't you hold set after this, this, I got nothing for you. Yeah. So that book was out at that time. So uh, I bought the book. I probably bought two or three books on Amazon. I read the books on Amazon. Uh, I read the books. Uh, watch the YouTube videos. Then I start looking for wholesalers in my area. I see a bandit sign. I call the guy. Hey, how you doing? You know, I'm just want to ask you a couple of questions. And, and I played it like I was going to try to help him. I see you got signs you're looking for houses. What kind of houses are you looking for? And if I find something, I'll call and give it to you. So I, I tried to add value to that person. I didn't know what I was doing. Right. I was just hustling the game, right? right? Playing the game. I made friends with two or three of these guys. We went for coffee, went for lunch. They told me their attorney. They told me this person. And so I finally uh, reached out to an attorney, offered to pay him for like one or two hours of his time just so I could find out, is this legit? Is this real? Went and met with the attorney. The attorney said, yeah, yeah, but you have to do it this way. You have to do it this way. You have to get the contract. So then as soon as the attorney solidified that it was real, that's when I said, okay, here we go. So I started buying lists. At that point in time in South Carolina, you could buy lists. Now you can't. South Carolina is a non-disclosure state, so certain houses like ListSource, can't, we can't get data from ListSource. You can get it from like PropStream or Dataflute or Bachelors. You can get it now. But um, 2017, you could get, 2017, 18, you could get data from ListSource. So I bought my first list, did my first mailers, got a couple of response, went on a couple of appointments, fumbled through everything. It was scared to make an offer. Not knowing how the contract or not knowing how to estimate repair costs, I lost probably four or five deals. Um, and I was still doing a lot of driving for dollars. Driving for dollars. In the, that in the old days, you, you do it individually. You get, two, you get 10 addresses. You go back home. You get the 10 owners from the county records. Then you go to Ben Verified or Fast People Search and get 10 phone numbers. And you just, that's how it started. Um, it was the middle of 2018, probably June of 2018, I landed my first big deal. My first deal actually turned out to be two deals. And they were two duplexes, uh, both in great parts of our city. And, and what I made on those two deals was more than my wife's annual salary as a teacher. Wow. So we knew we had our, what they call it, two things. They call it your shut-up check, and they call it proof of concept. Yep. So we had both of those things. And at that point in time, I was still working a really, really good W-2 job. My wife said, wow, this could be good, but this could also be beginner's luck. So let's just relax. Sure was. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> the attorney told yeah. me. The attorney's like, I've never seen this. One of the checks was forty k. The other check was like twenty five k. Wow. Um, the attorney was like, Yeah, this forty thousand dollars check. This don't get used to this. This doesn't happen. Right. This is this is sheerly beginner's luck. Right. Um, 
So, yeah, on the first one, we made 60-plus K on the first deal. And I started putting more money back into marketing. We paid off some credit cards. We paid off a couple of bills at the house, put a little money in the savings. But then probably 20 or 30% of it, I turned around and put right back into more mailers, bigger list, experimented with Bandit Sons. And so, yeah, that was 2018, kept the W-2, and very inconsistently did deals for the next two years. Mm-hmm. Um, here we are now in 2021. I have since obviously left the W-2 job. Um, we have accumulated quite a few rentals. Uh, we've done a few su- very successful fix and flips. And we wanted to do uh, new builds this year. We wanted to start going that vertical, uh, new construction. But with the prices of construction and lumber, we put that on hold. Yeah. It's a whole different animal. Yeah, I, I don't think I want to go that route just yet. Um, coming into, you know, prior to the pandemic, with it looks sexy, right? We got all this going on. We got wholesaling. We got buy and hold. We got fix and flip. We understand that. We got that. So let's try the new one. That was that was pre-pandemic. The pandemic came. Things kind of changed. We have to sit back and relax a little bit, reevaluate the situation. And now kind of post-pandemic, prices through the roof, inflation, the dollar. You got to be careful with the economy, what the housing market may or may not do. So we're just we're sitting tight right now, just playing our cards safely and carefully. That's why I like wholesaling because – Let's say you go decide to get into a new construction mm-hmm. right, right now. You go buy the lot, get a construction loan, start going through the process. You're in that project for six to nine months at least. At least. At least. And now your all your efforts are into building that property. And let me tell you what's going to happen is that you're going to take your eyes away from the price. That's true. Because you're going to now, your wholesaling operation is not going to be running like it should because you're distracted now True. with this other new thing that you're getting <laughs> yourself into. The new shiny object. The new si- shiny object, right? Um, even the flips, you may not be doing that many flips. I don't know how many you're doing, but, you know, because you can only do so much. True, very true. So one of them is going to suffer. Very true. So what I usually tell people is, that, man, just pick one and run. Mm-hmm. Pick one. Real estate is so big. Then you will discover mortgage. Yes. And loans. And harmony loans. Creating paper. And, and notes. Yes. And then some note guy is going to come and say, oh, notes is the best business in the world. It is for you. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because you picked that one and ran with it. Yes. But what you can see is uh, from, from most people that are very successful is that they have one main name. Yeah, they might be doing a couple of things here and there. Sure. But they don't let those things distract them. Sure. It's that they got that one main lane that they, they, they got they became a master at. And then of course for them it's the best business in the world. Like sure. the wholesaler that only does wholesaling, but he's doing a gazillion contracts every month, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, of course that's your best business because that's the one that brings you but put that tell that wholesaler to go flip a house. Yeah, yeah. He's like, ah, I'm not so sure about that. You know, or maybe he'll do one just to get Same. it out of his yeah. chest. Yeah. But then he was like, man, the, the time and effort that it took me to flip that house, um, in reality, I could have just put that towards my wholesaling business and I would do more contracts if yeah. I just focused on that lane. So you got to be careful with that. Um, that way you don't get trapped into finding all the little different lanes that we have in, sure. in real estate. And then your main business, which is it could be very profitable, it never becomes very profitable because you, you got distracted. Sure. I agree 100%. That's where I'm at today, you know, right now, 2021. And and I'll tell people this all the time. I'm still fumbling through, still fumbling forward, uh, still learning from mistakes every day. And uh, right now our team is very small. Um, I understand the scale that I will need to hire more people and delegate more. I'm still very much involved in the day-to-day activity. I'm still on the phone with sellers. I'm still on the phone with buyers. I'm still in the middle of transaction coordination. Some of it I like, I thoroughly enjoy, but I understand that, that I can't scale that. So we have a small team in place, looking to grow. We, we have what we believe to be good systems and processes in place, or good systems. We just have to t- fine-tune the processes. We have good systems in place. Um, and I feel like that we have a good grasp on the wholesaling side, and, and I've heard everybody say that the average millionaire has you know seven or six streams of income. So that's kind of why we were going in those four different routes. We were going in the 
the wholesaling being the primary uh, vehicle or tool that feeds the machine, and the flips can provide some stream of revenue, some stream of income. Um, the, the buy and holds, the rental income, that's one stream of income. Let me put it to you this way. So, um, and I do agree with having multiple streams of income. Sure. But if real estate takes a dump, all, all, all your streams <laughs> of income are gone. That's true. All of them, right? Uh, with the exception of wholesaling. That's, that's the only one that survives. Okay. Because there's always motivated sellers. That's true. The difference is, is that from your assignments that are 30 or 40 grand, that let's say we have a 2008 again. Let's just suppose 2008 shows up. How do I know 2008? I got in real estate in 2008. Oh, wow. So I understand exactly what went at that time as far as the multiple lanes being affected. The only guys making money were the wholesalers. Oh, wow. Now, their deals weren't thirty dollars or $40,000 deals. Mm. Those were three to 5000 to maybe $10,000 deals. Okay. The most. Wow. Why is that? Because the properties are in, they're mm -hmm. going down. So you're getting all these guys with reinstatements. There's not a lot of, you know, money to be made there. Yeah. So, you know, the assignments are very small. But they're playing a volume business now. They're doing sure. 20, 30, 40, 50 of these deals in a month. Mm. And that's how they're making their money, right? Gotcha. But if you're caught up with rental properties, how do you refinance them out when the banks are not yeah, getting yeah, loans? Yeah, yeah. You don't refinance those. How do you sell properties on the market to a retail buyer yeah. when lenders are not approving people for loans? Yes. Right? And that was my case. Yeah. I had flips I couldn't sell, so I, I became a motivated landlord. Mm. Like, I had to go, you know. Dump them, fire sale. Not even fire sale. I kept them rented. Mm -hmm. But I kept them rented on private money, which was mm -hmm. very expensive. Gotcha. It was about the only thing that would make sense. Mm. But Because if you went to, uh, the, the, we used to have these things back then called blanket loans. And I'm pretty sure they're still probably around. Uh, but lenders will allow you to put a, up to X amount of properties on a blanket loan. But these things were 8% interest, 9% wow. interest. Right? And your cash flow was 200 bucks, 250 bucks, if that. If that. But it was still a good deal. You got the depreciation, the appreciation. If it was interest-only loans, then were you, you were writing off 100% of the interest, mm. right? So there's a lot of things you have to understand. But in reality is when, when the market, the real estate market completely tanks, man, they all get affected. That's true. And if you have an operation that you need – Twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month to operate on the wholesaling side, because you're doing volume. Now your overhead is getting very expensive. Oh yeah, because your your assignments are not as big. So the good thing is, you know, on my case, because I'm focused on one only. I don't get as affected as much. Okay. Because I can easily come down on my overhead. You know, we can work virtual nowadays. You know, you can you can do some adjustments to where. Sure. Okay, I don't have something. The rent is killing me every month. Or yeah, if you have a contract, you're gonna have to figure out how to get out of the contract. But if you're caught up with seven properties, you're refining out to to keep it as rentals. Oh, yeah. Nobody's giving loans. What do you do now? Yeah, you're in trouble now. Right? Private money. And then yeah. you're trying to figure out this problem here with your rentals or your flips. And what happens to your wholesaling business? You take your eye off the prize again. You give, you take your <laughs> eyes away from the prize. You see, so I'm not saying don't do multiple things, but if you're going to diversify yourself, and this goes to everybody watching or listening, make sure you're diversifying in different industries. Okay. That right? makes sense, yeah. Because if all your stuff is just real estate and real estate tanks, you're in for a rude awakening for a little while. Yeah, all the streams are affected. That makes sense. Makes all sense. the streams are affected. Now, if you have vending machines, that's different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, but that's also a shiny object. Yes. You know? So, like, all my streams right now, are pro they're all real estate related, right? Okay. That's why we were having a conversation a couple of nights ago, and I said I want to go into something else. That sure. way, it's not real estate related. If real estate tanks, sure. I have something going on outside of real estate. Sure. And you never know. That might be your next big business, right? Sure. So, yes, the average million millionaire has seven streams of income. Well, let's look at Warren Buffett. Is he in one industry? 
He's in all the industries. He's in all the industries. So <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter which industry tanks, he still got other industries to rely back on, right? Sure. So use that. That's a good point. That train thought, right? Uh, Elon Musk, he's yeah. sending space uh, <laughs> ships to, to Mars or the moon or whatever. Yeah. And then he's got Tesla, right? So they're two different independent, it's two different industries, sure. right? Um, so... Yeah, can you have multiple streams of income from real estate? Absolutely. Yeah, rentals, flips, all of that, right? Build one, make it, you know, to where it runs on its own, then build the second one. I agree. Then you make that one run on its own. Then you make the third one, and then you make that one run on its own. It might take you years. Sure. But, but again, who are you racing against? Yeah. Nobody. Just you. Right? That's true. So, but that's good. So, Take me back to high school, man. Were you a good student back in high school? or Surprisingly, I was, right? Okay. And I, looking back, like, I gave the teachers a hard time. I didn't study. Uh, I don't even know where my textbooks were. Um, but I enjoyed the, the learning aspect, right? And it, learning came easy and natural to me. Um, I always did well. I don't know how I did well, you know, by grace of God, I guess. You know. um, I wasn't the kid to skip school. You know. I'd go because I like the social aspect. And um, I didn't take good notes, but I did pay attention. Okay. So uh, I probably graduated with like a high B average, maybe a low A average. Scored really good on the SAT, like impressively well, like bragging, you know, bragging rights worthy. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so high school, was I a good student? Depends on who you ask, right? My, it's funny because my mother-in-law was an elementary school teacher at my elementary school. She remembers when I was coming up and, Fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I was a troublemaker. Right? Every every year when they got ready to do the new class schedule, where are they going to put this kid Shane? Oh man, they find a special teacher, the strict teacher. They wow. put him with the strict teacher is going to keep him in line. So, um, yeah, I was rambunctious. I was troublemaker a little bit, and uh, but I enjoyed school, and I still do. I still enjoy learning to this day. I try to learn from every conversation I have. I try to learn from every person that I meet. I've always been a student of life, you know, even when I was 13 or 14, and I didn't know what that meant. So, What about self-development? You doing any, uh, any of that? I do. Um, I'm a firm believer in it. I know some people hesitate with it, and some people have a hard time swallowing that pill and, and understanding the premise behind it. But um, I believe in it. Um, everybody needs somebody they can talk to that is either, A, doing what they want to do or doing something bigger or better than what they're currently doing. Right. Um, and, and my buddy Milton and I were having this conversation today, and even some of the highest-paid athletes that we know of, LeBron James, for example, this guy, he's got a head coach for his team. This guy is also spending millions of dollars a year on strength training and you know, conditioning and nutrition, personal chefs. And it, you take that same, those same concepts and apply them to you. Um, in my case, yes. So I'm uh, relatively four or five years new into real estate. If there's a way that I can fast track my learning curve or fast track the, the learning process, I'll be the first one to sign up and, p and pay for a mentorship or pay for a coaching program. And we were also having this conversation earlier. When I, when I do that, I'm doing it for two reasons. Doing, doing it, A, for the self-development, right, to, to make myself better or sharper, learn something new, but also the community and the connections. So when you pay for one of these mentorships or coaching programs, uh, I'm a firm believer that you're you're buying for multiple reasons. You just have to figure that out for you. For me, yeah. for me, it's to uh, decrease the amount of time in the learning curve, and to pay for and or buy my way into certain rooms or a seat at certain tables. So that's exactly right. I do the same thing. If I can go and and, and get me in a group um, that's operating at a higher level than I am, sure. then I pay for it. Um, that way, you know, I, I can, you, you know, you become the equivalent of the five people you hang out with, right? I agree. So if you start hanging out with millionaires, you're bound to be one. I agree. If you're hanging out with losers, you're <laughs> bound to be one. <laughs> An old right? guy said one time, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I'll show you your future. That's I believe right. that. Um, there's, a, there's another one that says, show me yours and I'll show you mine. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, so that's true, right? Um, you know. That's why paying for mentorships, paying for masterminds, education programs. I love going to seminars. I mean, yes. 
um, even for the for the um, motivational aspect of it, right? Sure. And motivation is like taking a shower, man. Yeah, you gotta take it every day. Some people say, "Oh, I don't like that motivational stuff." I don't. That's that's hoo hoo rah rah, you know. Sure. Whatever, man. You need it. Yes, you do. Um, because sometimes you're in a funk and. Yes. You just don't feel like going out and looking at the property or talking to the seller or waking up early to go to the gym so you can do your morning routine or sure. whatever, right? So you gotta get, you gotta find something that motivates you. Uh, I find it in in these seminars and and retreats and yes. masterminds and um, the books are more educational for me. Sure. Um, I don't really get motivated on books. I it's like, oh, I'm rewiring my brain and I'm learning something new. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're a firm believer of that because um, that, that shows that um, two or three years from now, you'll be in a whole complete different si so. uh, position that you are today, which is your, your position today is good. Um, it's not bad. Like, sure. you know, we all have a different journey. So Correct. it's taking you... How long? When did you start in real estate? We'll call it four years ago. Four years yeah. ago to get to where you are today. Yes. And it has taken me 14 years to get to where I am today. Exactly. Right? So we all have a whole different path. And, um, you know, by association, you go faster uh, just because you're hanging out with guys like me and other guys that I have more experience sure. being down the different paths. And you're like, hmm, Ricardo, this is where he messed up or. Or, or the all-in guys, this is where they messed up, or this is where they did well. Sure. And now I can pick one and, and, and focus on that and, sure. and shorten your, your, your learning curve. So um, so how many deals have you done uh, wholesaling-wise since you started? Uh, I could. 50 plus. 50 plus. Yeah, I, mean, I, I honestly couldn't even tell you. So um, 2018, the year I started, we probably did 10 wholesale deals. That's good. And that was in the last six months of 2018, 10 or 12 right. deals. Um, 2019, two deals a month minimum, you know, average, so 24, 30, 30 deals in 2019. Yep. 2020, we, we didn't grow, but we didn't, we didn't slow down. The pandemic didn't hurt us much. We still did 20 or 30 deals that year. Okay. Uh, we did our two, first two flips in 2020 in the pandemic. Um. And that was very running with the skeleton crew. Yeah, ninety percent of that was just me by myself, literally me by myself while I was working a W two job. Wow. Um, I just left my W two job in October of twenty twenty, so less than less than a year ago. Um, I have since hired a full time assistant, hired a full time like lead manager, got some VAs working for me. Um, we're still a very small team in, in comparison to what my peers and the guys I aspire to be like have. But we're, we're making a great living. We're having a good time. We're in the early stages of building our culture. So it's a fun time for me and, and our business right now. That's good, man. And tell me about your rentals. How are you getting those rentals? Are you getting them owner finance to you, or are you getting them to where you go with a long-term loan? Um, initially, the very first six rentals that we had or we bought, we acquired, were – by means of you know, obviously wholesaling, marketing, marketing directly to the seller, and what wholesaling as a vehicle, as a tool, did for me, it allowed me to cherry pick the certain deals where the owner was willing to carry, or the owner was in a position to, or understood owner financing. So I was able to cherry pick my first six rentals that way. Um, I waited until I had five really, really good ones, juicy deals, juicy properties, lots of equity, good cash flow. Um, I had really good owner-seller, you know, terms. I had really good. Um, one of them, for example, I had four houses. Well, two co two small commercial properties. One's a hamburger shop, one's a tire shop, and the two houses. The, the family, owner financed to me at no interest. Wow. Principal payments only. Five-year balloon. It was beautiful, right? Everything went straight to principal. So I let that ride out for two and a half years, and – Here's a, here's a trick that I, a buddy of mine told me about. He's like, look, I know these people finance it to you at 0% interest. You got X amount balloon. You've been making payments to these people for two and a half years. You've still got this much left. What if you call them tomorrow? Just We'll use round numbers. Say you owe them 250 k That's what you owe them left. What if you call them and say, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, 
I know I owe you 250k, but it's going to be another two and a half years. I'm going to be making these payments. If I paid you off cash today, would you take 200? 90% of people are going to go for yep. it. So that's exactly what I did. It wasn't quite that kind of spread, quite that reduction. It's the same principle. I had owner financed X amount for five years with a balloon. Two years into it, I went in and offered them a little bit less if I paid you off cash. They said yes. As soon as they said yes, I went to the bank said, hey, bank, let's refinance this thing. So we refinanced it. I got um, the 4.2 on a 10 over 20. Um, mortgage, great. It helped my cash flow even more so. Um, so, yeah, I did the first six with owner financing, rolled them over into institutional financing, and now where I'm at, I'm playing with private money now. Uh, that's what that's one of the things my journey's done for me. Uh, allowed me to be around people to build, A, my reputation, right, my trustworthiness. Yeah. And it's put me in the room with flippers who are now really good friends of mine who have access to millions of dollars of private money. Well, and we're all going to the same functions. We're all going to the same meetups. We're going out to dinner with each other. We end up at swimming pool parties at the flipper's house. He's got two of his lenders there. So it's a great environment. And now I have private money behind me. The private money, yes, it's a little more expensive, but it's so easy. I can literally it's get fast. I can get three hundred thousand dollars on a text message. You know, so it's fast. It's fast. No application. No red tape. No credit check. No. Two of my lenders don't even know where I live. They don't know my home address. Yeah. You know? So they never ask to see my driver's license. They don't know anything. Other than I'm a good guy. I'm doing deals. They're in my putting area. it on the property too, right? Yeah, so the asset base. So it's asset base, but it uh, like uh, I had a guy come uh, to the office uh, this week, uh, early or last week. La uh, yeah, he came this week. So, Ricardo, I put my money on the horse. Okay. I bet on the horse, and and uh, you know, it's true. Like I might tell him, "Hey, I got this property," or what? He's like, "Okay, how much you need?" That that's the question. How much do you need? Yes. Yeah, he might go re-verify ARVs and things <laughs> yeah. like that maybe once or twice. But after that, it's like, he's okay, how much that he's baiting on the horse, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the beautiful thing about private money. You have to be careful with that, though. Um, you get over-leveraged or, or you're spread too thin. So in my case, people say I, w I was over-leveraged, right? But was I over-leveraged when everything was working fine? Right, so I had a, an operation that worked perfectly. I had people working on rehabs, an acquisitions outfit, a marketing outfit, a rehabbing outfit, and then we'll sell them or rent them. But as everything was turning and burning, we were good. What happened is Hurricane Harvey hit. Mm. My whole crew left mm. because they're chasing demolitions now. Yeah, And now that one arm, you see, I, I have multiple streams of income, but that one, Took a big hit. Took a big hit. And now all of the other ones suffered from it. Mm. So then the loans are still due. And I was like, and I haven't finished houses. And I was like, oh, what do I do here, right? Sure. So, I, you know, yeah, I had millions of dollars worth of loans. But everything was fine until something crazy came out of the blue, like a hurricane. Yeah. yeah. And wiped out part of our business, right? So. Mm. If you're doing private, and, and then I wasn't wholesaling at the time, so my my whole lane was just flipping. Wow, okay. Right? I was flipping at a scale, um, which is, at the time, we were doing 47 houses, you know, rehabs at the same time. That was, I don't know, $12 million worth of loans or oh, so. Oh, man. But it was so good. I mean, we had no problems, you yeah. know, like paying these people and putting houses out. But then the aftermath of the hurricane also killed us because now prices dropped. A lot of inventory went out on the market. Houses that got rehabbed and that got flooded here and got re. So it was a it was a perfect storm to destroy a business, right? Mm. Um, and we had to pivot. That's how I became a wholesaler. Yeah. Because I was like, man, I gotta do something. You know, how can I how can I like pay bills? I, I was just trying to pay bills. Yeah. I was I wasn't <laughs> trying to get rich, man. I was just trying to pay bills, and uh, I stumbled back into into wholesaling. But now that I understand wholesaling better and I have no desire to do a flip. Like, I really don't care for the backsplash anymore. Sure. Or if the tile is white or blue, you know. Sure. That, I think anything flipping related wise, we accomplished it. So there was, there's nothing else to prove to me. Sure. Uh, and he left a, a sour taste because of the leverage you have to get to go do something at a scale. When in the wholesaling side, the only leverage that you got to use is marketing. Sure. So, it's a risk and reward type thing. Sure. Um, 
wholesaling gives me more peace of mind, uh, but it's also a rat race. It right? is. So, so yeah, just keep that in mind when you're when you're borrowing a lot of private money, because it's easy. Yeah. Uh, money starts showing up at your doorstep. It's easy to go put it to use. But yep. Yeah. Yeah. We had. Uh, I think at some point we had another ten million dollars just waiting for us. Mm. The guys were like. When are you gonna use this? When are you gonna use this? <laughs> yeah. I was like, hold on, we got all these properties we got going on, yeah. you know. And my business partner didn't want to borrow more. Like he was like, no, dude, this is too much. Sure. We're not putting houses fast enough because of the hurricane. I, I was, I was like, man, I'll buy, go, I'll go buy twenty more, right? Because sure. for me, it's like I gotta grow bigger, so the little problem doesn't become a problem. But my partner didn't want to do it at the time, exactly. so there was a conflict there, right? Um, looking back, I should have went bigger. Okay. But I would still be doing that. Sure. I wouldn't be doing this, mm. which uh, now that I look, I was like, ah, this is the lane I wanted sure. to be in because I, I feel like I'm, I'm more free. Sure. Um, There's still headaches, but a lot less headaches. It's different headaches. Different headaches. It's different headaches. And, okay, somebody didn't show up this morning. Okay, he's fired, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's simple. It's simple headaches. Sure. But when you have a property and people don't show up, it's a big headache. Yeah. That's a problem, man. I was like, every day counts because you're paying interest on sure. that money every day, right? Yes. Here is like, okay, I wasted some leads today. No problem. So I can revive the leads or get more leads, but it, it doesn't cost me as much. Sure. Um, so it's different headaches. So anyhow, this is not about me. It's about you. So you got some rentals. You've done some flips. You've done some wholesaling. What do you like better? I like the wholesaling. I like it um, because it's, you know, we all know it's quicker, easier. You know, sometimes you get big, sexy spreads, you yeah. know, 50K, 60K, 100K spreads. Um, that's sexy, right? That's that's energizing and rewarding, and yeah. it's, it's fun. It's exciting. The rentals, I understand going into it's a slow game. It's the long game. Um, and I think a lot of that stems back from the old school investors that I knew growing up. The guys that had 30 rentals, and they didn't do anything else. They went to the flea market on you know, Saturday, Sunday. They went fishing on Tuesday. They were the millionaire next door. Yes, absolutely. And so I think that part, you know, as I'm approaching older age, right, and, you know, I'm, I'm 42 now. When I'm 50, when I'm 60, that millionaire next door will be sexy to me then, right? Yeah. Driving a pickup truck, taking my kids or grandkids going fishing on a Tuesday or Wednesday if I want to. Um, you know, that's the, that's the long-term goal. Um, I like wholesaling, to answer your question. I like wholesaling more. Uh, and it, I like it, it. It's a tool and a vehicle that will allow me to get to that destination I want to be when I'm 50 or 60. Yeah. Awesome, man. What's in the future for Shane, man? Um, a, just um, continuing to get better at my craft, right? Get better at my business. For the longest time, in this short, brief four years, um, I've treated wholesaling – as a, as a hustle, right, as a pastime on the side. And, and for a long time it was, right? I had my W-2 job, making great money, and I was – It's a good hustle, by the way. It's a great hustle. It's the world's best hustle. But it's, I do want to clarify something. It's not an easy hustle. No, There's no. a lot of people, uh, YouTube, Internet, a lot of guys are great guys, but I think they paint um, and maybe a little bit of unrealistic picture. Yes. Yes, there are big checks. Yes, the, the fundamentals and the step-by-step -step is easy. Wholesale is, is simple. Yes. But it's not easy. It's not easy. How do you define wholesaling? Let's talk about that for a minute. How do you define wholesaling? I have a definition for wholesaling, but how I do you know. define wholesaling? I don't, let me think about Let's this. Think about that. How do, how do I define wholesaling? Hmm. From a personal perspective. Yeah, per, per, personal perspective. Forget personal. about... Textbook, YouTube definition. This is uh, wholesaling is the middle man, and you yeah. put it on the contract, and you're selling, you yeah. make a spread. No. no. Wholesaling to me is finding off-market property, right? It, it obviously some discounted value, which is very objective. Right. And then marrying or bridging the gap between a, a person in need or a motivated seller to a, an, an investor who has a plan for that property. You are a service provider, right? Correct. You are providing, a, you're bridging the gap between a person that has a need and a want to, to sell their house, sell their property, to get away from a bad situation. That's their need and their want. 
and you're bridging the gap between somebody else who has a different need and a want. They have 200K they need to put to work, so they need to buy this quadplex to, to get some depreciation and reduce their tax liability. Right. So you are just a service provider bridging the gap between two different people who have a need and a want and a desire. That's a great explanation. Now I'm going to tell you mine. It's called managing chaos. <laughs> yes. Yes, there Straight is chaos to the in point. there. Yes. Managing chaos. Why is that? When you're managing the the seller that's a lot of times he's distressed, not all the time. Not all the time. Distress. You're also managing a distressed property for the most part. Have we wholesale houses that have no distress whatsoever? Absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. But normally, what are we taught? We gotta go find a property that needs repairs, sure. we gotta find a motivated seller, somebody that's in distress. So you're managing chaos. And then on the on the buyer side, yes. they're in chaos as well, because they gotta close, they wanna hustle you, they wanna discount. Um, sometimes they use a harmony lender that oh, that escape. throws everything off the track. Uh, appraisals maybe not don't come in well for those harmony lenders, and then they wanna loan less money. So our title is looks clean, and then it's not clean anymore because four liens showed up the day before closing. Wholesalers get in between trying to steal contracts. Sure. This is very valid, guys. I don't know how many wholesalers we've had trying to block one of our contracts, trying to steal a property. So you are managing chaos all the way along. Sure. Are properties sometimes going easy from point A to point Z? Yes, absolutely. Oh, that was an easy assignment. Boom, made 20K. I wish all of them were like that, right? Sure. But I like I would say that 60 to 70% of our properties are chaotic. Mm. They have some sort of chaos sure. attached to it, right? They're all different. You learn something different with just about every deal. You learn yep. a different problem, a different a different challenge. Yes. Right? So to me wholesaling is in, I define it in two words. It's managing chaos. Wow, okay. Period. Uh, but your definition is 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 correct. I mean, it's not sure. cause we all have a, a way to um to put it together, I like to put it together as managing chaos because when I tell my team or or new people that are learning from me, they're gonna understand. They're gonna walk walk into a battlefield because that's that's really what it is. It's sure. a battlefield, right? And 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 you gotta attack and you gotta defend yourself as well. Sure. It's like playing chess, you know. So, um, it is simple because you get up, find a property, put on the contract. Clean title, find a buyer, sell the buyer, make a spread, done. But it's not easy. It's not easy. No. Uh, because along the way, there's going to be a bunch of wrenches. Sure. And different bolts and nuts that are not going to match. Sure. That you're going to have to work with in order to pull it through. So um, that's that's how I see wholesaling. Uh, I think from that perspective, probably flipping is easier because when you're flipping – you already know the house. You, I mean, you see that property and, okay, these are all the repairs I got to do. These are all the improvements and sure. you budget for those. Yeah, can you find gremlins behind the wall? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> all the time, right? Yes. But for the most part, you've got about 90% of the challenges already identified. Sure. Um, and and But it's harder to do at a scale. Why? Because you need a lot more money. Sure. You need lenders. You need more contractors. That's the hardest part about flipping a house is managing contractors. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. That's it, hands down, managing contractors. Um, rentals, that's a different story, right? Sure. You might buy the rentals already turnkey and, and maybe like the way you get them, owner-financed. That, to me, if, if there was something you guys got to pick today from this podcast is my biggest takeaway is buying rentals on the owner-financed. Because that is your biggest source of private money. Yes. It's not the private money lenders at 10% or 8% no. that got the money there. The they want a contract. They want a, a promissory note over here. Well, they and you can do that with yeah. a you're ha – you're going to have to do that with owner finance. Yeah. yeah. But you're doing that on your terms for the most yes, part. on your terms. And I wish I would have known that sometime in 2015. Mm. I would have bought everything owner financed. Sure. Everything. As opposed to with private money. Sure. So big lessons learned from me. Right now, I, when I get something, is owner financed. And to piggyback on that, if if there are new wholesalers watching, and you guys are, are maybe you've experienced wholesalers and you're and you're doing some deals, always work it in your conversation. Which which I know a lot of wholesale guys don't 
work it in their conversation. Anytime you're meeting with a seller or talking to a seller, you, a lot of people teach make multiple offers, right? Some people don't do that, right? And not yeah. to say that you need to, but I always work in the potential for the owner finance in the conversation. If, if they're asking me, so the way we do it is, mm-hmm. uh, I'm against putting three offers. Let me tell yeah. you why. Your seller gets into analysis paralysis. Mm-hmm. Uh, 100 here, 80 here, 50 here. Like, what do I choose, right? Sure. And now, if you gave them one offer, they would have went for the 51. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the only offer they had on the table. Sure. When you, when you go throw two more, then sure. it's confusing. We enter in the other offers when they're asking too high. Sure. Okay. Oh, so you want 100. I understand. Can we do it on, on our terms? And we'll, we'll be happily, you know, we'll happy pay you 100. You sure. Know? And they're like, well, no, I want it all cash. Okay, then, then it's not going to work for us. Sure. But if they say, hmm, I, I entertain the owner finance route. Sure. How will that work? Then you open that door and you, you open that door and say, "Lit, this is what <laughs> we'll do." Because you can wholesale that too. Sure. You see, if I put a, a property on a hundred thousand uh, dollars, I buy it. I went and I closed on it, and then I call Shane. I say, "Hey, Shane, I got a property in Greensville, South Carolina. Um, it doesn't fit the seventy percent deal." Well, let me tell you this, man. This thing will cash flow three hundred bucks a month. There you go. And I got a note for a hundred thousand that you know it's a five percent or six percent or seven percent, depending on what I had to do to get the property, right? But man, it'll put you three hundred bucks a month. All you need to do is give me fifteen thousand and it's yours. You're like, well, I'm paying retail, almost retail for it, but it, I don't have to go to a bank, I don't have to do this, I don't have to do that. Yeah, and you got fifteen K kicking around, or you can get us another lender. Yeah. Lend you the 15K, and then you pay them back with a percentage. Sure. Done. Easy. So that's how you wholesale one of those. Yes. Right? Um, which we do. Yes. We do a lot of creative stuff uh, to move them forward. Sure. Um, so sometimes we pay a way above what we're supposed to be doing, but what we're doing is we're creating that note, sure. and that note is what's got value now moving forward. Yes, yes. So – Anyhow, man, thank you so much for coming in, brother. Yeah, no, thank I appreciate you for having you. me. Thank you. And this has been a, a good one because I didn't have to ask too many questions. He just ran with it. Just ran with it. Um, <laughs> October 21st through the 24th, the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Event in Mastermind in Miami, Florida. I'm looking forward to see you there. We have early bird tickets ending in June 30th, I believe. Um, we're going to post the link below for that. And if you want to go there and meet with high caliber real estate entrepreneurs and investors in our mastermind, you got to go get yourself a ticket and I will see you in Miami. I'll see you in the next one. Bye.